The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. I'd like to talk today about delight. Um, Delight is to experience great pleasure, to cause great pleasure. Church, this morning, we are going to talk about delight as we look at Psalm 40. This is an absolutely beautiful psalm. Um, Over the past couple weeks, uh, as we have been in the psalms, we have been using this practice called Lectio Divina. I've called it gospel stillness. The idea behind it is that we are simply still and that we know that our God is God. To help us do that, like I said, we've been practicing this practice that has been used by the church for thousands of years called Lectio Divina. And um, each week we've walked through each of the Psalms kind of ahead of time as as we've preached them. And for those of you who have used this practice with me this week, you know how absolutely full this Psalm is. Uh, This psalm deals with salvation, our daily lives, it deals with um, worship, it deals with evangelism, it deals with so much. So my goal this morning is in the time we have to to pull it all together, to to take this psalm all together. And to do that, we're going to use this idea of delight to kind of help us put the pieces together. So let's dig in. Um, This psalm has 17 verses. Uh, It's a psalm written by David, and it's written to be given to the chief musician uh, or choir master. In other words, this is a a writing of David, a psalm of David, given to him by the Holy Spirit to be given to the choir master in order for the people of God to sing this. In other words, what we're looking at here is we are looking here at a divinely inspired worship song of the early church. That's what we're looking at here. They would sing this together as they would gather. Um, This morning, as we look at this psalm, we are going to divide it into four parts, uh, four themes as we put it all together. So let's dig into our psalm. If you have your Bibles, we're going to, warning, we're going to jump kind of all over this psalm. But um, if you have your Bible, Psalm 40, we're going to start at least in the first two verses, okay? Okay. says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. So I waited patiently. You have this waiting, this eager expectation, and we have to ask right off the bad here. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in the uh, divine waiting room? It's what is here. And if you have been in a season of waiting, you are not alone. The people of God, the saints who have come before you, can relate well to your waiting. And it is in this waiting, and I think this is important for us to see, that God inclines, bends down to listen It was in that waiting that our God hears us and he draws us up from the pit too deep for anyone or anything else to reach. 
And it's not only deep and dangerous, dangerous it's a nasty bog that we're stuck, that we're, we're in the thick of it, stuck and tired. And, and our God inclines, bends down, and pulls us out. So having said that, I want to, to kind of get to our first theme. The first theme is this, is that our God delights in saving us. Our God delights in saving us. And I, I don't want you to rush past this because it's not like our God is up in heaven going, ugh, again, another bonehead, another person I've created in my image who is just going their own way, another person who got themselves in a pit, another person who's stuck in this nasty bog. There they are again. I guess I should do something. That's not what Scripture tells you about how God thinks of you. That's not what Scripture tells us. It's that God inclines. He bends down to here. Um, now, allow me to bounce a little bit. I'm going to put it all up here to help in our bouncing. Uh, verse 5, would you go there with me? You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. How beautiful is that idea that God's wondrous deeds and even his thoughts towards you have been multiplied. Verse 11, as for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me, your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. This is not a begrudging duty, but it's a steadfast, never ending, never failing love and faithfulness. Verse 13, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to me. So be pleased, be delighted is what the psalmist is saying here. Um, to, to run to me. One more, verse 17. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Although we are poor and needy, our Lord does not delay in coming to our rescue. This is huge. And it's because the Lord takes thought of us. Just take this in. If the Lord takes thought of you, what do you have to fear? The Lord takes thought and takes delight in saving us. And for some, that is exactly what we need to hear. More than that, that's exactly what we need to start to believe this morning, that God is not burdened to save you. He delights in it. Our God delights in saving us. He is delighted to save, and not only from the mess you get in in your life, not only from that, but to save. Ultimately, he is delighted to save you from your sin, death, hell, the grave, the deepest pit, the thickest and nastiest bog. He is delighted to save you. He inclines to hear you, and he pulls us out. But the delight does not end there. Let's move to our second theme here. Not only does God delight in saving us, but we delight in the salvation of our God. Verse 3, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Um, have you ever felt that feeling of, of walking around your house singing and you can't stop? 
It annoys everyone in my household when I do this. But you're in such a good mood, you can't help it. You just want to sing, and you just walk around your house singing. Church, that is the imagery here in this psalm. That's the delight that is in this psalm. This is a new song, fresh praise, not stale. I guess I should do this, church. This is delight that is here. This is praise, us delighting in the salvation of our God and our mouths filling up with new songs. Um, This is delight. And I want, we're going to come back to this, but I want you to hear me here. This kind of delight, true Christian delight, is not without its pit. It's not without the bog. That would be delusional delight, not Christian delight. True Christian delight is different because true Christian delight is in the salvation of our God in the pit and in the bog. From the pit and from the the bog. Even, church, when we're still in the waiting. That's delight. Verse 16. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation continually say, great is the Lord. Just listen to that language. That all who seek you rejoice and be glad. Our God delights in saving us and we delight in the salvation of our God. It doesn't end there though. Let's continue because the third theme is this. We delight in the obedience, in obedience to our God. We delight in obedience to our God. Verse 4, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. So blessed is that man who keeps his eyes fixed, that with all the things pulling for us and our attention, blessed is the man who stays fixed on Christ. Verse 8, though, is perhaps the most clear and direct verse of all of this. As David says directly, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is written, is, is within my heart. Church, can you and I, can we say that? That we find our delight in doing the will of our God. Um, quickly here, I think often we can portray Christianity as a long list of do's and don'ts, of a long list of not doing the things that I kind of want to do and start to do the things that I really don't want to do. And sometimes we can boil Christianity to following Jesus down to that. And I get it. I I understand it. See, Christ has called us to come to him, to, to take up our cross, to deny ourselves, to crucify our flesh, He's called us to war against that flesh, to put it to death. But the thing missing here, church, and a lot of, a lot of times, the thing missing here is delight. In other words, although the fight against sin might be difficult, in fact, I will say it differently, although the fight against sin will most definitely be difficult, you will never regret having fought it. You will never regret having fought that fight. When we stop chasing counterfeit delights, we can begin to experience the true delight of Christ. That Christ plus nothing else equals everything. And at the same time, everything minus Christ is nothing. Nothing. David says it, I delight to do your will. Church, we delight in obedience. We delight in obedience. 
the world's delight, all it has to offer just pales in comparison to that. I want to say one more thing before we move on here. Um, I know for some of us, you might have grown up in a religious home, uh, a religious home that was heavily focused on rules. I know for some of us, you might come from an atmosphere of legalism, uh, where the Christian life was just all about denying delight around every corner. If it's delightful, shut it down. Like, that might have been you growing up. Many of us, some of us are there. And you can relate well to verse 6 that says, In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offerings and sin offering you have not required. See, for you, you can relate to that because you know what it feels like to live a life of empty sacrifice, empty motions and activities. God says that's not what is required. More than that, that's not what our God delights in. While others of you, if you're honest, you might have grown up in the other extreme. You might have grown up in a house that there were no rules. You just do you. You be you. You be happy because God loves you. Just make sure that you've said the prayer. That's crucial. Now that you've said the prayer, though, you have all eternity to focus on that holiness part. Don't worry about that now. Just do you. Be happy. God loves you. He'll forgive you. See, whereas legalism, for those who grew up in the legalistic side, um, it's all about denying delight around every corner. Whereas you might look at your past and say, that wasn't it. My life has been about pursuing delight around every corner. Just delighting in all of the wrong things. See, for the legalist, you must understand it's not about denying delight, but obedience to Christ in order to experience the greatest and most full and complete delight. And for you, uh, free-to-be-you side, um, you're never going to find satisfaction and lasting delight in anything else apart from Christ. It's only found there. God delights in saving us. We delight in the salvation of our God, and we delight in obedience. There's one more, though, that we can't get past this psalm without bringing this up. It's all over. The fourth is this. We delight in sharing the gospel. We delight in sharing the gospel. Verse 5. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. As we've seen, the thoughts of our gods, the deeds of our God toward us has been multiplied. There's nothing that compares to that. There's nothing to the joy of that. And from that, David says, I'm going to tell of them, but I know that in the telling of them, There's so much more than could be told. I will always come short in describing the delight that we have in in our God. In other words, although volumes have been written, thousands of years worth of songs, journals, and sermons preached on the goodness and the greatness of our God, all of it, after it's all said and after it's all written, is not enough. It is insufficient, and we need more. It's like we need better vocabulary, although in every language it seems to fall short. 
In spite of that, though, no matter that being the case, what does David say? He says, I will proclaim it and tell of them. When we experience the salvation of our God, the delight of following our God, even as words can't express it, church, we try. We proclaim it nonetheless. In fact, I want to look at verses 9 and 10. Look at 9 and 10. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. David says, I've told the good news. The gospel, I've told it in the great assembly, in the congregation. It's not just a me, myself, and my Jesus thing. This is a gospel must be proclaimed thing. And you notice David's words, I have not restrained my lips, verse 9. I have not hidden it, verse 10. I have not concealed it, verse 10. Let me ask you, have you ever had such good news that you cannot physically hold it in? It would kill you to hold it in. Like you're standing beside someone, you don't know them, but they have ears and they need to hear. Like, have you ever had it just like bubbling up? When it's all stripped away, church, that's exactly what evangelism is. That's it. It's, it's sharing from our delight so that others might share in our delight. Evangelism is sharing from our, that delight, sharing from our delight so that Others might share in our delight. Sometimes I get confused why so often evangelism can can be like pulling teeth or guilt trip after guilt trip after guilt trip. You know you should be doing this and you're not. Um, But I began to realize that we don't need more guilt trips. We don't need more pulling teeth. What we need is more people who delight in Christ. That's the weak link in this. Who, like David, cannot restrain, cannot conceal, do not hide. Maybe a better word is hoard. Hoarding. Hoarding is when we, it's that weird thing that we do where we like to take what's great and find a secret corner and stash it away from the rest of the world and keep it all to ourselves. The gospel is not yours to hoard. You don't have that option. It's not yours to hoard. In fact, hoarding the gospel, if you are a gospel hoarder and you just want to bask in its glory without it going anywhere else, I, there's a good chance you don't fully understand the gospel that you're hoarding. There's a good chance you don't, you, you don't understand it because the gospel doesn't give us that, that privilege. Have you experienced the delight of God's salvation? Have you experienced the delight of walking with him and obedience to him? It's like we're full and overflowing cups of water, filled way too full. Have you ever tried to pick up a cup that is filled way too full? It's impossible to do it without spilling all over the place and spilling all over everyone. To know you, to be around us, is to get spilled on. We're just too full. The delight is too much. That's what we see here in this text. Right now, our community desperately needs to know about this delight. We are longing together for a delight like this. And yet, so often, we are better at spreading dissent and division than we are at spreading delight. And David says, will you 
constrain your tongue? Will you hide it? Will you conceal it? Will you try to hoard it like it's yours to hoard in the first place? Or will you delight and open your mouth and share the gospel? I know you know this, but church, now is the time. Jesus says, Matthew 9, to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Now is, there's no better time than now to get to work. No better time. But as I said, it cannot be guilt-based. It can't be because that won't last. But I know what will last. It's delight in the Lord. That will last. Our evangelism is fueled by and motivated by that delight. First, in God's delight in saving you. Second, in our delight in his salvation. Third, in our delight in obedience to Christ. And this delight leads us like full and overflowing cups of water to spill all over the place. That is the delight here that's portrayed in this psalm. And as we kind of wrap this up, I'm reminded of three things. And I just want to share these as we, as we finish. The first is that this delight is not pitless. <laughs> it's not pitless, meaning this delight is just... Not that we don't have to go through pits anymore, don't have to go through bogs anymore. Uh, In fact, it's often through the trials, it's often through the pits that we experience the greatest level of delight because all other sources of delight are stripped away and we are left to delight in Christ and we are never not satisfied when we are brought to our knees before Christ who delights to bend down, to deliver us. Our delight in Christ is not without the pit. Instead, it's through whatever pit we face today or tomorrow. Um, our delight is not pitless. Second is our delight is not, this is going to sound obvious, is not godless. Uh, you're never going to find true and lasting joy, satisfaction, delight apart from Jesus. You are not going to find it. Um, you're not created to find it. You're not created to find it Anywhere else apart from your creator, um, sure, you can distract yourself from just bouncing around to shiny new things and, and live a life of distraction, just bouncing around. But that is a life of distraction, not a, light of de- a life of delight. This delight can never be experienced outside of Christ. And third, um, I just want to say this bluntly, you are invited into this delight. You are invited into this delight. Right now, through Christ, you are invited into this delight. It is only found in and through Christ. Scripture calls us, in light of this, to repent of your sin, meaning that that you examine who you are, that we're not good people who need a little help, that we are dead in our sins, sinners in need of grace. We confess to our God, and as we do that, Scripture says, he is faithful and he is just to forgive. And repentance is about confessing that sin and then turning. Turning to our God. It's not about being the best version of you with God's help. That's not the gospel. It's about accepting a brand new identity that was given to you by God. That you're a child of God. No longer dead in your sin, but alive in Christ forgiven and justified where once sin was perfectly at home in your life now it is not 
Where once sin was welcomed, now it's being crucified. Where once sin ruled, now Christ has defeated it. It has been crucified with Christ and God delights in saving. And nothing, church, compares to this. Nothing the world offers compares to the joy of knowing Christ. The joy of the delight of walking with him, knowing him, being in obedience to him and sharing him with our world. Nothing Nothing gets close to that delight. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the psalm that reminds us in, especially now, as we are faced with so much uncertainty, we are reminded that through the pit and the bog, we wait patiently for you and the wait is worth it because you are worth it and you bend down and you delight in saving us. I pray that you just bring that truth to bear on our hearts today as we respond to the deep love that you have for us demonstrated while we were yet sinners through Jesus Christ on the cross. Would you turn our hearts as we respond in the gospel this morning.